you. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters in Christ. All right. Praise the Lord. You know, the scripture says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Right. So today, we, uh, let, as we prepare for service, I just want to uh, let you know that um, in case you all find, how come got no e-bulletin? Uh? Okay, something is wrong with the device. So uh, today there will not be any e-bulletin. So uh, let me hand this time over to uh, Ken to lead us in worship. Good evening, church. Yes. It's nice to be back on the stage after five and a half weeks. Let's prepare our hearts as we welcome the Lord to His home. Father, we want to come before you this evening. Hearts surrender, hands lifted up to praise you in your home. In this time that we come before you, in this time that we surrender to you, we pray that the Holy Spirit will just refresh us, rejuvenate us in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Times of refreshing here in your presence, no greater blessing than being with you, my soul.
We have come together as a family of God in our Father's presence to offer Him praise and thanksgiving, to hear and receive His holy word, and to bring before Him the needs of the world, to ask His forgiveness of our sin, and to seek His grace, that through His Son, Jesus Christ, we may give ourselves to His service. As we prepare to come into God's holy presence, let us quieten down our hearts before God. The Apostle John in his epistle reminds us that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take some time before God confessing our sins. confession, let us uh, confess together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men. In thought, word, and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Let's hear these comforting words. Almighty God who forgives all who truly repent, may he have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins. May he confirm and strengthen you in his goodness and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, church. Shall we all stand? And before we begin our service, can you just go to five person and say, it's great to be back in the house of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Let's Mingwei lead us on.
Sister, sing with her. all together. Surrender now, I give you everything. 
Brothers and sisters, uh, please be seated. Let us enter into a time of intercession. Oh God, Creator, preserver of all mankind. And we pray for men of every race and every kind of need. Make your ways known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Father God, we want to bring before you, especially those who have yet to know you, those who have yet to hear the gospel of Christ. God, that their empty hearts may be filled. Father God, they are longing for satisfaction. And that satisfaction cannot come, Lord, without you in their life. We pray, Father God, for the youth in the youth alpha, God, even as they have heard your message, that they will feel, Lord, that their life is complete with you. Father God, we want to uphold each and every seeker who hears your gospel. We pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit will so stir in their heart, God, that they would want so desperately long to give their life to you. Father God, I just want to pray, Lord, that it is not only them, their parents too. God will see the change in them and want to know who is this God whom they are pursuing. Father God, we also want to pray for the church throughout the world. May you guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit that all who profess 
and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and to hold the faith in unity of spirit in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Father God, we want to pray especially for those who are in authority in the church. Father God, we want to pray, Lord, that there will be no compromise with the world. God, that the, that the authority of the church will hold on to the truth and be united. Father God, for thousands of years, through the generations, passed down from traditions, God, your word. You have said that your word will last forever. Even heaven and earth will pass away. We ask, Father God, that you will give us that perseverance, Lord. Especially those people who are in areas whereby they are being persecuted for their faith. God, we just want to ask that you will keep them strong in you. Keep each and everyone strong, Lord in you Father God we also want to commend Lord to your fatherly goodness all who are anxious and distressed in mind and body comfort and relieve them in their needs give them patience in their suffering and bring good out of their troubles Brothers and sisters, if you knew of somebody who is in need of comfort, lift them up before the Lord. Father God, we want to lift up especially our brother Bobby who is still resting and recovering in hospital after major surgery. We ask Father God for your healing to come upon him. We ask Father God for quick recovery, that you bring Lord his body to come in line with your holy word. Father God, I just want to pray Lord, that the doctors will find favour in the healing and they will be surprised of such quick recovery in Him. Father God, I just want to pray, Lord, that you will bring Him back to church to raise His holy hand to your holy sanctuary and worship you. So God, we want to commit Bobby into your hand. We also want to pray for Auntie Nancy. She has been having difficulty walking. We pray, Father God, for your healing hand, Lord, to touch her legs. Father God, I just want to ask, Lord, that you strengthen her knees, strengthen her ankle, Lord, so that she can join us in the church camp. Father God, we just want to pray that you'll be with her, especially also at this time when she's been having gastric pain in the stomach, we ask Father God for your healing touch to be upon her as well. Father God, we want to uphold Lord, all of us, all those whom we know, Lord, that are 
suffering in one way or another and we want to pray Lord that in your mercy you grant them favour and healing let us uh, pray together the last segment accept these prayers for the sake of your son our saviour Jesus Christ Amen But thank you, Pastor Alan, for leading us in the intercession. Church, before we continue on with the video announcement, I have five announcements to make to you all, all right? Four short one and one rather long one, all right? So the first announcement that I want to make is this. Uh, for those of you, maybe you're wondering, hey, where is the e-bulletin? I uh, just want to let you know, Joseph, Pastor Joseph has mentioned to just message me to say that something is wrong with the phone, all right? So he's not able to send the e-bulletin. So if you're wondering where the e-bulletin, no e-bulletin today, all right? Uh, but he will kind of do something and forward you once he's able to rectify the problem, all right? That's the first announcement. The second announcement uh, has to do with, uh, we're going to introduce to you a staff. Uh, Teresa, will you please stand? <coughs> all right, this is Teresa Tan. Shall we just welcome her? <laughs> now, just to introduce to you, Teresa has uh, been hired. Thank you, Teresa. You may sit down. Teresa has been hired by the CMA Care Center to do the work over there, all right? Simply because Pastor Gilbert has been given more responsibility. That's diocese for you, huh? They'll give you more responsibility. So, Pastor Gilbert has been given more responsibility, so much so that he has to go to the different churches and to kind of uh, connect with them. And so as a result, he's not been able to be uh, functioning in his role over there. So they have decided to hire Teresa, who will do his job. Uh, and such, she has been kind of uh, put under our staff strength. Okay, so Teresa will be basically reporting directly to Pastor Gilbert. Okay, so just to let you know, Teresa will be here. She will be joining us for our Saturday service. Occasionally, she may join the Sunday service just to get to know the people over at our Sunday service as well. All right, so at the end of the service, uh, do get to know her during our fellowship time, which brings me to the third announcement. Our fellowship this evening will not be held at Fellowship Hall, okay? Because the Youth Alpha, they will be coming back from their activity. They're going to have their dinner over there. So we'll be having our fellowship, what you call that, uh, fellowship makan, all right, over at Paushan Lo, the first floor. Okay, so don't go over there to steal their food. Go over here, okay? Uh, then at the same time, get to know Teresa. Fourth announcement that I want to make is next week, <laughs> all right? Next week, just to inform you, is our BB enrollment, all right? It's our BB enrollment, so it's a good opportunity to meet up with the boys. Uh, I know some of you may think, uh, okay, BB enrollment, a lot of people, uh, there won't be enough seats, I don't need to come. No, all right, please come. All right, it's a good opportunity. There'll be enough seats for all of us. Uh, there'll be an opportunity, like I said, to connect with the boys, with the parents, and there will be, be dinner also provided, okay? So please come uh, to connect, to get to know them. It will be a good opportunity. There will be no service on Sunday, so it'll be a good time where the two services come once again together as a family of God together. And the last announcement is regarding our AGM, all right? Our AGM... It's going to be held on the 15th of April, 15th of April, and uh, we just need you that if you are confirmed and baptized as an Anglican, 
please take note that we need you to confirm, to, to just sign at the ER form, all right, the electoral roll. Basically, for those of you who are not Anglican, ER, the electoral roll basically entitles you to be able to vote, to attend our AGM, and to ask questions regarding issues regarding the church, all right? So if you are confirmed and you are baptized as an Anglican, please ensure that your name is under the ER form at the back. If you have not done so, please go and do so. At the same time, the nomination form for our English Congregation Committee will also be there. All right? So if you want to nominate someone, please take the form. But uh, take note, uh, there will be certain criteria. Again, you don't know the criteria, so you can refer to Sui Heng at the back. And when you want to nominate the person, please let the person know. All right? So for instance, if you want to nominate Chin, uh, okay, you, you tell Chin, Chin, I'm going to nominate you. You cannot say no. No, no, he cannot say no. Okay, just let Chin know that I'm going to nominate you, and whether he agrees or not, all right, you can put his name. If he doesn't agree, please find someone else. All right, so that's the nomination form. Uh, and take note that the nomination, the deadline for this will be on 1st of April. Okay, 1st of April, the AGM itself will be held after service. Again, dinner will be provided for you. So, for catering purpose, also please indicate whether you want dinner at the ER form at the back. Also, if you do want copies of the report, okay, we're going to distribute out e-copies, e all right? So indicate that you need e-copies and we will send it to you. And lastly, most importantly of all, when you read the reports, if you do have questions, right, please give your questions in by the 8th of April to me and I will personally reply back to you because I realize some of the questions during AGM uh, are very trivial. Uh, you know, um, we, we want to end this AGM as fast as possible. All right. So if the if the questions you forward to me is personal, uh, I will just re reply to you. But it has a concern with the whole church. I will then bring it up at the AGM itself. All right. So please take note. If you do have questions, please send in by 8th of April. Okay. With that, we can have the video announcement and the offertory.
Shall we stand and uh, prepare our offer tree as we sing this song together? Good evening, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from Genesis 44, verses 1 to 12. Genesis 44, verses 1 to 12. Then he commanded the steward of his house, fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. 
They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, and by this that he practices divination? <coughs> we have done evil in doing this. When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouths of our sacks we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever, whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants. He said, let it be as you say. He who found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his back to the ground, and each man opened his sack. As he searched, beginning with the elders and ending with the youngest, with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Charlotte, for reading for us this evening. Shall we just come to the Lord as we bow our heads in prayer? Gracious and heavenly Father, we once again give you thanks for your word that is so freely available for us. We ask of you, Lord, that you give us open minds, receptive hearts and ears to listen and to be obedient to what you have for us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, a story was once told about three longtime friends who went out fishing together on a boat. Now, if I don't know about you, but if you, have, if you are those who have gone for fishing, you know it's very, very boring, okay? Because it takes a very long time. You need to have patience to catch the fish. And so after a few hours without catching anything, the three of them were starting to get very, very bored. And so as a result, one of them suggested the idea that all three of them to be totally honest with each other by confessing their worst sin to each other. And so the one who initiated the idea started the ball rolling. He admitted to the problem with the sin of lust. And so because he lacks control, he tells them that he has been cheating on his wife for well over a year by having an affair. Now the second man, you know, felt that since his buddies were willing to be open, he too would be honest. And so he shared that his problem was one of greed. And he too, unable to control himself, had been embezzling funds from his company for the last few years. Now, when he came to the third man, he said this, Well, as for me, my greatest problem is the sin of gossip. Not only I can't control myself, he says, I can't wait to get home and tell everyone what I just heard. Well, this evening, we want to continue on this virtue of patience and in regard to confessing and forgiving one another. And in our time together, we will be focusing on this text found in Genesis 44 and, verse, and, and chapter 45. And so we find that in these two chapters here, we have the beautiful story of Joseph and his brothers. 
And it is really a story of repentance and reconciliation. In fact, in my opinion, it is indeed one of the greatest stories about forgiveness ever found in the Bible. The greatest story of forgiveness, of course, as we know, tells of God's forgiveness for the whole world. And so if we in All Saints, if we desire to be a forgiving community, then I believe that these two chapters in Genesis 44 and first 40, in, in, in chapter 45 has much to offer <coughs> and to teach us. And so to begin, to bring us back to, the, to, 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 to date on the narrative, we are now made aware <coughs> that Joseph was now the governor or the prime minister of a great nation. And if you know the story, if you've been following the story, you will agree with me that it has truly been an amazing turnaround. Contrast to what happened to him very much earlier in his life, from being despised and bullied by his ten older brothers, and then sold into slavery and to be left alone in a foreign land, Joseph is now the second most powerful man in Egypt behind only to Pharaoh himself. Furthermore, it seems that the tables had also been turned. Famine had spread across the entire region, and especially where Jacob was staying. But Egypt still remained a land of plenty. Not surprisingly, this prompted Jacob to send his ten sons over to Egypt to purchase grain to ensure the family's survival. And so you can probably imagine the scene here when Joseph's older brother, out of the blue, approached him to trade. 22 long years of suppressed anger and bitterness were bottled up inside him. He was not only betrayed by his very own kin, he had to endure the unjust accusation of committing adultery and worst of all, to be thrown into prison for a crime he had not committed, a crime in which he was innocent of. The years he spent in humiliation in the cold, dark dungeon could have really been the occasion for an explosion of anger at the sight of his very own brothers. And I'm sure many of us, if we had been in that situation, we might do that. And at this point, we can sympathize with Joseph if truly he demanded revenge. I mean, after all, he had every right to do so. But if you look at the text, you find that the text here reveals to us that this wasn't in the thought of Joseph. You see, the high point in chapter 45 tells us of Joseph's reconciliation with his ten brothers. And what is significant of Joseph's action here is that it teaches us that forgiveness, listen to this, that forgiveness is the answer to much of the unjust in which you and I experience in life. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is the answer to much of the unjust in which you and I experience in life. You see, whereas unresolved anger only leads towards the path of bitterness, hostility, and even thoughts of revenge, Forgiveness, on the other hand, leads to freedom, leads to reconciliation. And that's what Joseph decided on. That's what Joseph was aiming at. Instead of being unforgiving, 
He chose to display forgiveness. And so as we examine these two chapters, there are altogether four key lessons that I would like to highlight for us on this important subject of forgiveness. And to begin, you find that it is of great significance for us to be reminded that reconciliation can only be made possible due to the action of the two parties concerned. There can be no reconciliation if the two parties are not willing to do something positive about it. You see, on the brother's part, it was their genuine repentance of their sin, and on Joseph's part, for his willingness to forgive them over the evil and the wrong they had committed against him. This, then, is the first lesson, that forgiveness flows out of true and sincere confession and repentance. And this is why you find that chapter 44 is so crucial and it forms an inseparable link to the next chapter. You know, we can question and ask, why Joseph, if he desired to, to forgive his brother, why didn't he immediately reveal himself to his brothers and quickly forgive them? Why did he bother to go through a long hassle, a charade by framing and then accusing them of theft? Well, the answer was simply to test them, simply to determine if they had really changed and repented. The book of Numbers, chapter 32, verse 23, says this, Be sure your sin will find you out. And for many years, Joseph's brother had covered their sins of evil deeds, and somehow they had escaped the consequence. But truth eventually finds its way out, and this was the day. And so as summarized in chapter 44, when the brothers left Egypt to return home, you know, everything seems to be all right. They had every reason to be overjoyed. They had escaped punishment and was not arrested. Simeon had been released, and more importantly, Benjamin, Jacob's favorite son, was now safely traveling home with them. But then, we come to chapter 44, verse 4. From being overjoyed, we are told that they soon became overwhelmed when Joseph's steward and his guards soon caught up and started accusing them of returning evil for good. They were even stunned that upon inspection, they found that the royal silver cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And so to clear this misunderstanding, and as the text tells us, they all return back to Egypt trying to figure out and make sense of all that is happening. And so with this, we now want to pick up the story. If you have your Bibles, let's look with me to verses 14 and 16 of chapter 44. Verse 14, Then Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house. He was still there. They fell before him to the ground. And Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servant, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. 
What's interesting here in this passage is in verse 14, when it says that when, Ju when Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house. Now, the fact that Judah was mentioned first is an indication to us that he was now the, smoke, the spokesman for the entire brothers. And this is of significance to note. Why? Because bear in mind, Judah was not the firstborn. Normally, the firstborn is the leader. And if you remember, Judah was also the one who suggested to his brothers to sell Joseph. Besides, he was also the one who, in Genesis chapter 38, unwittingly committed incense with his daughter-in-law. But here we see that by the grace of God, people can change. And that's what happened to Judah. So not surprisingly then, we find that upon meeting Joseph back in his house, Judah was the one who represented the brothers. And the phrase that he used here in verse 16, that God has found out the guilt of your servants. This phrase here doesn't refer to the discovery of the grain money or to the silver cup. Rather, in saying these things, the statement here is a confession of their hidden sins. Judah was now confessing openly that they have done wrong, that they have done evil. They have mistreated Joseph and their father years before. In truth, these words from Judah, as well as the appearance of torn clothes in verse 13, was a testament of the brothers' guilt and their sincere repentance. It only confirmed what Joseph had suspected, that they were finally remorseful over their past action. And this was enough to convince Joseph of their sincerity, and this led to the reconciliation. In the words of the psalmist in Psalm 51 verse 17, it is only a broken and contrite heart that God will not despise. But here's the thing. In reality, though we know well that we need to repent and confess, but we are aware that sometimes in life, there will be others who will not repent or confess their wrongs. The question then for us is this, what shall we do? Should this give us the license then not to forgive the person? For instance, if Ken did something wrong to me, he's not willing to, to, to admit that he's wrong. Does this give me the license to say that I'm not going to forgive him? You know, I once knew of a church where a small group would not forgive their pastor over some small trivial misunderstanding. And as a result, they were bitter over the whole situation for years. And when someone, came, someone new came and asked them why they didn't do so, the answer was simply that the pastor didn't acknowledge his mistake and so there's no need to forgive. You know, it sounded as though it was the pastor's fault for their failure to forgive because the pastor did not initiate it. But church, listen to this. If we are honest with ourselves, if we search the scriptures, you find that the Bible makes it clear that forgiving is a vital part of all our Christian experience. It is necessary in terms for our relationship with God as well as with our fellow man. And that is why every time when we come to service, before we start the service, there is that time of confession. 
to make ourselves right between one another, to make ourselves right between us and God. And if he insists that, you know, the person does something wrong, he didn't seek for forgiveness, we, we, we cannot forgive him, well, if that is your understanding, perhaps it's worthwhile to recall the words of Jesus when he was on the cross in Luke 23, verse 34. And remember what the Lord said when he was on the cross. He said this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they were doing. The words that Jesus, the world that Jesus died for didn't realize that they were wrong. Neither did they seek his forgiveness. Yet, as Jesus hung on the cross, he forgave them. And because Jesus forgave them, we should also do likewise. It is very clear that it is our responsibility to forgive regardless of the action or decision of the other party. <laughs> we are not to be concerned with how the other person reacts. So the first lesson, forgiveness only flows out of true and sincere confession and repentance. The second lesson is this, that forgiveness will ultimately lead to joy. Forgiveness will lead to joy. Let us jump now to chapter 45, and let's look at verse 1 to 3. <laughs> Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Forgiveness leads to joy. And in this passage here, you find there were three groups of people who were joyful. Joseph, his brothers, and Jacob, their father. We are told in verse 2 that Joseph wept aloud. Now, this weeping here of Joseph was not cry of sadness, all right? Let's be clear. When Joseph wept aloud, it was tears of joy. <laughs> he joyously wept aloud. Why? Because his brothers had finally shown evidence of real repentance. The words that I and Joseph, you know, could really be interpreted in two different ways. If Joseph had said it in a harsh tone, it was probably the worst news the brothers could ever have hoped to hear, for it would bring them no relief but more anxiety. It was bad enough to stand before a powerful Egyptian governor who was angry that his cup was stolen, but now to realize that, he, that it was his, that, that, that who stands before him were their brothers who sold to slavery, they, this would just be too much for them to bear. A judge would have been impartial but now they discovered the judge was their so-called enemy. How could they have hoped for better treatment? But you know, I believe that these words uttered by Joseph, I am Joseph, were spoken in a more passionate tone. They're actually words of hope. They're words of reconciliation. They were words of joy, which brought freedom and release for the brothers. And this is why the brothers were joyful. 
they were joyful because they were now set free from the guilt that they had been carrying all through the years. So Joseph was happy. The brothers were happy. And the third individual who was joyous, as I mentioned, was none other than Jacob. If you look with me to verse 26 of chapter 45, we are told when the brothers eventually returned with the good news, telling the father that Joseph is alive, not surprisingly, the, fa- the old man was too shocked. You know, in fact, we are told that at first, Jacob didn't believe the news. I mean, how could he, right? After all these years, he had given up hope that, that, that Joseph would be alive. But it was told only a second time. And when Jacob saw for himself the wagon load of food, that Jacob's spirit was revived. And the word revive here can simply means he was joyous. And so we find here that the benefit of forgiveness is that it brings about joy which far outweighs what anger and bitterness has to offer. I recall the time many years back when I took a youth out for his birthday treat to a particular restaurant that he always wanted to go to. That youth was not Ken, so don't worry. As we got to the place, we took our seats, you know, and when we were about to place our order, when suddenly he saw a familiar face entering to the restaurant. Apparently, that person that came in happens to be someone that he had an argument with many, many years ago. And so upon seeing his so-called enemy, he suddenly got up flustered and suggested that we proceed to another venue. Now, we may say, what a silly thing to do, isn't it? To forego a chance to eat at the restaurant that he's been longing to do just because he had not forgiven someone of an incident that occurred years ago. But church, this is exactly what unforgiveness does. When there is tension in the relationship, it will result in us not in talking terms with one another. And listen, this can happen here. It can happen to any one of us, and it can happen here, even in the church. You may be seated here, but you may not be able to talk to someone across the aisles because you may have an unforgiveness spirit. But, and we find that this exactly was the case between Joseph and his brothers. But I want to draw your attention now to verse 15, where we are told that when the two, when the, when the Joseph and his brothers reconciled, we are told that Joseph now, he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them, and after that, listen to this, his brothers talk with him. His brothers talk with him. These last few words is a sentence that speaks volumes. Why? Because if you go back to chapter 37, we are aware that Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. He was so well loved by his father that his father gave him a coat of many colors. And this only served to irk his ten other brothers. And because of this, they hated him even more. In fact, chapter 37 tells us that two times in this chapter, we are told of the brothers' hatred for Joseph and once of their jealousy over him. No wonder chapter 37 verse 4 says that the brothers could not speak peacefully to him. 
But listen, I want you to observe now this wonderful transformation. The moment the brothers were reconciled, the moment there was forgiveness taking place, communication is now made possible such that his brothers talk with him. What a transformation, isn't it? There was so much now that the brothers had to catch up and to talk about with each other. From not talking to each other, they now couldn't stop talking. So the third lesson for us then about forgiveness is this, that forgiveness restores relationship. And especially in this instance, it restores family ties. Unlike the early example of the boy who stormed out of the restaurant because he couldn't converse with the person due to his unwillingness to forgive, we find that Joseph and his brothers could because there was for forgiveness. Our last lesson now points to verse 16 of chapter 45. So let's look at verse 16. I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 18. Now when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brother had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your household and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. Now what happened here was that the news of this great reunion somehow had reached the ears of Pharaoh. Though Joseph had intended this gathering to be a private and family affair, his loud wailing, unfortunately, in verse 2, alerted his servants. And they, in turn, you know, told Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh was aware of what's going on. And the reason why Pharaoh was pleased to hear the arrival of Joseph's brother was obvious. Because we know that Joseph had virtually saved his kingdom from a natural catastrophe. And as a result, it greatly enhanced Pharaoh's position. So anything that pleased Joseph would automatically make Pharaoh happy. But may I suggest to you that when Pharaoh heard the report of this incident between Joseph and his brothers, this indicates to us a very important point, that the act of forgiveness is a form of witness to unbelievers. The act of forgiveness is a form of witness to unbelievers. Why? Because people are watching us. And when they see us being reconciled, the implication is tremendous to those who witness this. Because we are showing them that we are Christ-like. We are showing them, we are presenting to the watching world that this is the God that we serve. A God who is forgiving, a God who is loving. So when we attempt to forgive and reconcile with one another, it is a great evangelistic tool to those non-believers around us, and especially to our family members if they are non-Christian. So think of the effect that this will have on our evangelism endeavor when we choose to forgive and reconcile with those who hurt us. I want to conclude now with a true story. This is a story probably you may have heard of it before, but nevertheless, I think it's a story that is applicable to remind us of the importance of forgiveness and that the time will come when you and I will need 
to show their forgiveness. The year was 1947, a two full year after World War II. Corrie Ten Boon was sharing the message of forgiveness and healing at a German church, rebuilding itself from the effects of the war. She had prayed that God would use her words to bring about healing, forgiveness, and restoration. But what she was about to experience would change her life forever. You see, upon completion of a message at the altar call, a man from the back suddenly made his way through the crowd and came forward. And as the man approached nearer to the front, the man looked kind of familiar to Corey. It was as though she had seen the man somewhere before, but she just couldn't place where, 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 where she had seen him. And then suddenly it became very clear as she recognized the man, the uniform that he wore, the whip that he used, and then she recalled the horror of her sister dying a slow and painful death at this man's hand. You see, at that very moment, the memories all came flooding back to her. The man that was standing right in front of her was one of the German soldiers that was responsible for torturing her family during her time in the concentration camp. And now standing right before her face to face, here was this man saying these words to her. I am a Christian now. I know God has forgiven me, but will you forgive me? What would you have done if you were in a position you know, it's easy to talk about forgiveness when everything is going fine, isn't it? It's easy to say, you know, Lily, you should forgive one another. You know, Danny, you should forgive this person who has done something wrong to you. I mean, everything is all going fine. But when you have to do it, that's the difficult part, isn't it? In the words of C.S. Lewis, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. Isn't that true? When the rubber hits the road, will we be able to forgive the person who hurt us? But listen, as Christ's disciples, we have to walk the talk. We have to be obedient to what the Bible tells us. And mind you, God will always present the test for us to do so. And when that happens, will you be ready? Will you pass the test. Now, when Corey heard those haunting words, she continued to share that she stood there what seems to be an eternity. And you know, she knew that she needed to make a choice. She had just finished talking about forgiveness, but could she forgive the very person who hurt and humiliated her? There was really only two choices she could make. Either she could forgive the man and be released from the hurt and pain, or she could choose not to and continue to live a life of bitterness, anger, and resent. And as she prayed to the Lord for strength, Corey shared that she simply raised her hand, took the man in her hands, and uttered the words, I forgive you. And that day, both were healed and both were set free from their guilt, bitterness, and anger. Church, 
Today we can choose to be released from the clutches of the devil. Today God wants to set you and I free. Perhaps some of you here, you may be at the receiving end of some injustice done a long time ago. Or perhaps someone has betrayed you or played you out. And as a result, you are now sitting home to some unforgiveness in your heart. But as your pastor, let me say, it's time for us to let go. Let go. At the same time, you may have been perhaps been the aggressor. You may have unwittingly hurt someone. Or maybe you have done something wrong to God. It is time for us to make the right decision and to reconcile. But as you sit there and wondering, you may say, you know, but Pastor, it's so difficult to do so, isn't it? To forgive that person who hurt you so much. Well, let me say, it's true. I know it's true. I want, I, I want to tell you it's true and you're not alone. Why? Because I've been in the same boat as you. I've struggled to forgive people who I've invested in so much time and they play me out time and time again. But yet, if I were to stand here to preach to you about forgiveness, I myself must learn to forgive the individual. And I want to tell you that you can do so. Because you see, like Cory Ten Boon, with the help of God, we have that strength, we have the ability to do so. So as you sit there, as you contemplate, on what you need to do, I want now to listen to these lyrics of this simple song and allow the words to speak to us.
It'll clear the bitterness away You can even set a prisoner free There is no end to what its power can do So let it go and be amazed By what you see through eyes of grace The prisoner that it really frees is you Forgiveness Forgiveness as the worship team takes up their position and as we have heard the word this evening would we be obedient to what the word has to tell us would you now take this moment to allow the spirit just to reveal to us of any sin of any unforgiveness in our hearts that we need to repent and confess of so as the music begins to play wherever you are it's between you and god it's between you and the person Would you be bold to go to the person and go to God and say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of what I've done wrong. I seek your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Let's start from the top. I'm forgiven. 
Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. The Spirit is within me. Because you died and rose again. Shall we say as we respond to the song? Jesus' words in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15 says that if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So gracious Father, we thank you that you are a God who forgives. And it's because you have forgiven us that we can and ought to do likewise. So help us then this evening to appropriate your forgiveness in our lives so that we can forgive those who sin against us so that we can be set free. We pray this in our son's name. Amen. And now as we receive the blessing, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and remain with each and every one of us now and forevermore. Amen. Let's remain standing as we have our closing song. And just one reminder again that at the end of the service, the fellowship is at over my left at the Paosulu Hall. All right? With that, let's stand with the closing song.
Father, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we ask that your wind, your breath, will send us out in revival. Forgive us of our trespasses. We surrender all to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Our service is finished. Please join us for refreshment on the left. Thank you.